Do you remember that one kid in school who just took charge of, well, everything? The kid everyone just seemed to follow? The kid who just seemed to shine and crave those moments of leadership? The kid that everyone seemed to trust their word? Did that kid grow up to become somebody's boss? Well, today I talked to someone who's not only in a position of leadership of one company, but several. Kendra is not only a leader, she motivates and aids others to become leaders and bosses as well, from her mother to her own children. She is truly a tree whose branches will create many leaders in the future. Today, I have a conversation with Kendra Concepcion. So Kendra, I wanted to start off with Orange Theory. So exactly how did you get into Orange Theory in the first place? So I started with Orange Theory back in 2012 down in South Beach. Um, I was into bodybuilding and I did a few competitions um, for the bikini division. And one day I was just walking down the beach and they were opening the South Beach location and I went in and it was sort of like love at first sight. I tried the first class and after that the owners were there and they just, we just started a conversation and it came so natural. You know, I had been in fitness for about three years, sort of prior to that. And again, it was just extremely natural. They say, listen, why don't you come by tomorrow? And then we'll see if you want to sit down and we'll interview. And obviously, once I sat down, um, my background was more into retail. I had done um, management for True Religion, Kenneth Cole, BCBG. So I had a strong retail background. But now going into the franchising, it was just more that one-on-one that I had with so many clients. Now I'll bring it down to maybe four or five hundred. So it really merged perfectly. And, and my personality tends to merge quite well. So it was like love at first sight. So like you said, you've done management for like clothing companies and all of that. So how do you merge? Like what did you take do you learn from those companies and bring it into a franchise such as fitness? So the first thing that I've always, I think every company that I've gone to and that I've been um, successful while I was in it had to do with the people. I think one of the things that I took on early on when I was in retail for Kenneth Cole, just fresh off of, um, of college from FIT in New York, was the people that they chose, taking the time to really train those people. And then that team, growing your team internally and really feeding into that, you know, that growth and where that individual as an employee wants to be is sort of what feeds off the treatment of the member or the client whether they're happy when they come to work so it was just building the right team and if i can do it at such a large scale for example for like a religion um down in miami where i had a, a point about 50 60 employees one day just folding jeans to get this store ready the, it was a, it was an outlet location and really the energy that day getting the studio ready was just pumping. I had gotten pizza. So it was truly what I took from it is just, you know, if I can do that in such a large mass and I can bring it in a boutique level and really get key players, a strong studio manager, a strong fitness coach, and then they sort of branch off into other smaller coaches. The studio manager can sort of replicate herself into essays, sales associates, I felt that I had sort of the winning combination and that's what sort of worked every single time I move. It didn't matter where you put me. The minute I got into a place, I really brought out the best of the individuals that were there. Some didn't fit because of, you know, the business needed a change. 
And then I just found really people that can bring up that particular business up. So it was like relying on other people. Sometimes it feels like weird, but it's just sort of like the work that I do. Now, you're talking about re relying on other people. Now, you seem like a person who kind of like to have their hands on everything. So how do you kind of like detach from that? Um, you have to have, I would say, strong support system. I think uh, late, I would say for the last two to two years, it's sort of where I found that happy balance. I've been wanting to do everything. I even had a trucking company about four years ago. So it's just now in the last two years, you're truly finding the balance of, you know, work, personal, and also, you know, the family, because, you know, even personal, it's not necessarily personal and family. So it took some time and it took practice. Like it wasn't something that came natural. It was something that sometimes at one in the morning, I will find myself sending emails when it possibly I would have managed my time better and say, you know, it got to stop at this time and the email is going to be sent to tomorrow. I would have had probably a better even response for the email. So takes time so i'll um, get back to orange theory so like in 20 like what was the job that you got in 2012 at orange theory i was the studio manager of the south beach location okay so when like when someone who's outside of miami when they think of like gyms think of goals gym that's kind of like the brand per se so like what as far as brand wise how would you describe orange theory at the time you started so we are a boutique fitness. We have a, sort of more of an exclusive one-on-one. -on -one. It's their group classes. So you have berries, which is sort of also very similar. And then you have that peloton sort of classes where you get in a group of 20, 25 individuals, and then you have a coach-led class. The music is pumping. Everything, you know, that energy is pumping, and you look next to you, and because in a lot of the classes, you're being monitored by heart rate. Many levels could do the same class. So I could be in the same class with my mom doing an Orange Theory class, and she could be getting a workout on an incline while I'm doing the same workout. But in order to get my heart rate in the zone that they ask us to be, I will have to be sprinting because I'm more physically fit than my mom. So again, it was, it was sort of like that new new thing that many people were trying so back in back in 2012 it was a challenge because of the location we were in south beach and you don't really get those regulars which is what how franchises and gyms make their money on your on your monthly dues every month making sure that you have recurring dues so not having a strong due because we have so many visitors that was one of the challenges in that particular location how do you go about marketing yourself at that time to kind of spread the word per se so in 2012 social media wasn't as hot but that's what we were using we were actually using tons of social media instagram we didn't do anything about it when it came to video but tons of facebook it was what we knew the most also at that time we were doing sort of mailers we were doing sending mailers out printing out flyers and the best thing that worked for us was word of mouth. We will have our sales associates go to, you know, the school across the street, do events at the school, possibly do something for the teachers. And we also work the, all of the buildings, the towers. We will go to the, to the lobby, leave the flyers there for a free class because you do get a free class when you, when you first try Orange Theory. 
So it was just getting the word out there, truly over and over and over. One day you might go out there, put flyers out and get maybe like two people giving you an email. The other day, hey, the building manager said that there was someone that saw the flyer and was interested. So you, it's just finding the right people that stays consistent using the tools and resources that you provide. Because again, the franchise, once it's created, it sort of has a system that works. So it's okay. been tested, it's been work. So we're, if you find the right franchise, you're paying a franchise fee to always have that sort of support. So the idea is that you always have a support even in those crazy decisions, but you have to make some decisions when it comes to marketing that are sometimes non-conventional. So flyers back then, mailers. We did put ads on some of the magazine. For example, the Mall Aventura here, a big mall, has a okay. magazine. So we put an ad there um, at the time. So I always kind of thought that social media would be this big brand of kind of marketing or even traditional marketing. But most people have told me word of mouth seems to have worked for them. So like, what do you think? What is it about word of mouth that seems to just, it just always seems to work? Well, I mean, think about it right now. If you ask me, for example, when you were purchasing a house and let's say we lived in the same city and you and I had a good relationship, you probably will ask me, hey, do you know a good realtor? I'm about to buy a house. So there is something about relying on someone when they give you information that you're most likely to go and say, I'm going to go ahead and try it. So, for example, our members talking about our products is most likely have someone actually come in with a mindset of already wanting to purchase the product. Unlike if someone walked out of the street, it's a little bit harder trying to, hey, you know, but if I already had a member saying, you got to try this, I've lost five pounds in the last two weeks, you got to try Orange Theory. Someone already planted the seed. You just got to go and water it. So word of mouth, is sort of how, that's how it works. Someone already planted the seed. And if you have the right individual, it's all about watering the seed, finding what area can you come in that then you can turn it into a yes. So that's why I like a lot of gyms use this kind of like re referral programs. Kind of yes, give you they're all members. So you all do that as well? Yeah, we actually work, you know, our member base is, it's our, our core. A lot of this, a lot of our members were our first timers. We call them founders that purchase for the first, the way that Orange Theory works is before you build that studio, you have about six to eight weeks, sometimes even 12. So we're talking about what, four months? Where at the beginning we start selling memberships, but the person won't use the gym because it's not built out. So founders get a very low, a low price to sign in at that time. But these people trusted you, they stayed, They they, they waited the four months. Sometimes construction get pushed out. So they wait another five months. You have their credit card on file. And then on that fifth month that you open, you invite them back. Hey, you remember me? Let me charge you. So you build also a foundation that you should nurture. Your founder, the people that gave you the money, the beginning years, the second year, you should treat very well. And that's something that Orange Theory does and is actually doing, which is truly nurturing to the people that gave us that initial trust. And again, those are the same people that are going to transfer. Hey, I've been on Orange Theory for four or five years. You got to try the gym. Now, how did you get from the point of just managing one Orange Theory to basically 
managing pretty much all of them in Latin American countries? That is a stroke of what people call luck up in here, but it's actually, <laughs> it's actually a combination of opportunity and preparation met themselves. But basically after working for about a year and a half, almost two at the Oracle in South Beach, I needed to relocate. I needed a little bit of help. I have two boys. I'm a mom of a teenager. I have a 15-year-old and a 10-year-old. Yes, he needs to bless me, send with me. a lot of things. <laughs> so basically, I needed to relocate to get more help with the boys. So I moved about two hours away. So what I did is I transferred Orange Theories and I moved about two and a half hours from Miami, which is called Fort Myers. There, I stayed for about six months with my parents. Truly, the help, it was like a blessing. Really, really the help that I needed. I wanted to purchase a house. So I wanted to set up myself and my finances the right way. But as a studio manager of a small boutique studio, you know, the income was limited. So I truly started building the foundation so that I can, you know, my dream was to purchase a house. So I started, I went and applied for Bank of America because again, for the Latin community, working for a bank is like so prestigious. So it was like the first thing that I thought okay. about. And again, after my first interview, I got a second one and third one and fourth one. And usually it's a, it's a long interview process and the process went well and I got hired at Bank of America and I was there for about six years. In Bank of America, I did everything small business, from opening your bank account to recommending you marketing to, hey, you should hire someone for this job and, and do your payroll with this company to, hey, you should start processing with this vendor. So I sort of build everything. Truly, I saw the money that was coming in, how successful a company could be from the ground up. And that was sort of what I mean, preparation. I truly like a sponge, just absorb, absorb everything that I was learning at Bank of America. The businesses that were profitable made a lot of great connections, made a lot of people. Uh, that's why I'm a successful realtor now. But truly, truly, I build relationships, which it was when the opportunity presented itself about six, seven years fast forward. I was in Dominican Republic visiting an Orange Theory because I wanted to do the workout. I met one of the owners there and he just said, you know, the person that oversees us is leaving. I heard around here that you had work at this outreach location, but that you live in Miami. What, what are you doing? But how can you work with us? And I'm like, what? So, I, you know, I inquire about it and within seconds, they just scooped me up from Bank of America, having the experience of the South Beach. I, I was in the pre-sales part of it too gave me sort of the stroke of you know opportunity and and what you call luck but that was it you say that what you learned from the bank you took that and took it and made a bigger opportunity for yourself much bigger you know i remember interviewing and they're like you know you have franchise experience because you work for orange theory but you know we're talking about business owners we're talking about people that multi-millionaires i have one that's a billionaire in my portfolio and you're telling them what to do. You're telling them invest here and do this. Like you gotta, do you know trust? And I'm like, really, like, really? I got that. No, do you, no, do, yes, I got that. Relationship, building relationship. And again, not to say that I haven't made my mistakes in Orange Theory, 
um, you know, where we, I have clashed with a couple of people, but I have learned from them, which is, I think, what is the winning component to truly succeed, at least in the position that I have. Um, so when you got this position, um, I'm just kind of like, once you kind of get the sense of like, you pretty much are the kind of go-to person for these orange theories and all these other countries, like, at first, was it overwhelming? Like, how, like, how was the adjustment to that? It was, I've been telling you, I have been, I think I started, it was November 2019. And I think I've, I've been in a cloud since, since I started. It's truly, like I was telling you before we got on air, it's honestly a great company to work for. It has such a flexibility of, hey, allowing you to do, do you. But in my case, you know, coming from sort of like a military background, it is very sort of, it's perfect. I want to prove myself. Give me a challenge. Oh, you don't have a, a, a title for me? I'm going to make my own title. This, in my case, once again, because we've had situations where you're giving people the wings and it's just disaster. But to me, it's just like step up to the plate. You give me the reins, I'll show you how I can do. So, like, what would be the... Uh... Just talking about the, the market. So what like what countries do you pretty much oversee? So I oversee Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Colombia, Peru, Guatemala, Costa Rica, Mexico, and we just got none other than Panama. So hopefully in oh, okay. 2022, yes, we will have one studio, one Orange Theory in Panama. So I'm super excited, super, super excited. So it's quite, it's honestly, truly a privilege. So what would be, like I said, say the fitness, like difference between the fitness market? Like we know how, I guess, people tend to like to be in the gyms and work out their bodies in Florida or certain parts of Florida. Um, like fitness is probably big in places like New York and L.A., so, like, in, in those other countries that you oversee, like, what's the market as far as fitness there? So, in some areas, fitness is like a luxury. He, you know, here, you you go to the gym. People, you know, my 14-year-old is, is goes to the gym. He has a gym membership. In our country, is not really like that. You know, some, at least in the boutique aspect of it, that tends to be, you know, much higher than a regular gym it tends to be for people that already have careers. So it tends to be, again, an area and a demographic of people that are more affluent. But truly, truly, the idea of fitness in Latin America, I would, I would say it's not as, as out there in your face as it is here from such a young, a young age. So you'll see that it is, it's, it's a bit more pushback. But when you put marketing on it, since it's, it's a lot of people don't really see that much marketing. It tends to work well if you do do the right marketing. But educating too, you gotta educate. When you do the marketing, you gotta truly educate the the clients that are seeing you. You know, whoever is gonna be looking at an ad needs to sort of be a little bit educated when it comes to fitness. It's not just all about selling and you know, come and try a free month or or get this. Truly throwing out their little bits of pieces of education. What, why is it important to, to do cardio? Why is it important to, you know, to do at least 30 minutes of, of exercise a day so that then maybe a marketing or a sale comes by is receive a little bit more because, yeah, again, a seed was planted before. 
You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So you, uh, you asked, I guess you have to do more seed planting in. Land Way land. more seed planting again, because fitness is not as broad. People, you know, even James do not put that much funds behind marketing because they hope it just, you know, we, we're new. We hope just, just to be here and just grow. So, so I'm just kind of get one little bit of example. Like, how would you approach marketing, let's say, in Dominican Republic? So, in the, at least when it comes to gyms right now in the Dominican Republic, I think one of the areas that that we do good is utilize our own members, and we market to them. We utilize any form of free marketing, which is internal, since we have fifteen hundred members, emails. Let's reach 1,500 members and tell them, hey, bring someone and A, you can get this or you can enter into a raffle. You can get your next month half off. So that's the sort of marketing that's prevalent because it's inexpensive. You have the 15 emails. It's just a mass email that tends to be free. The marketing where we have to get better and the way I see a lot of even not just Orange Theory is the whole sort of gym and fitness area is that education piece planting little seeds of you know this is fitness this is you know drinking again educating the masses that are not i will say as educated as in the u.s or have fitness all the time in their faces and then obviously throwing the come and try us for this or come and try us for that so a balance that i think it does well here in the u.s domestically where, you know, tons of coaches are always, you know, inspiring and educating. And even big brands tend to be informational and educational. And then obviously here's a sell. Latin America, they tend to not really put marketing funds to the education piece, to boosting those kind of ads, just an ad that is for a sell. Communication is a very important aspect of it. And what I've learned in my lifetime that there are certain companies that you would think would be good at it are horrible at it. But you have to deal with rich people who probably built their own businesses. And so, like, how do you kind of navigate that? Because, that, I mean, there's, there's ego. People who make their own money don't like other people telling them what to do with their money. So, like, how, how do you navigate that? You know, there it's very treacherous waters. I will tell you that. You tend to build some good relationships where in certain occasions, you can go up to the you know owner or the franchisee and say, do you see these results? It's because of the individual that we have in this position. You understand? Or you see the lack of results is because of the individual. And there is a relationship built where they're extremely more receptive and everything. So what do we do now? So can you help me interview another person? Where sometimes the position of marketing tends to be on the actual owner and they want to take it upon themselves and become marketing experts without a marketing background. And that's the part where you have to thread lightly um, and truly just advise. You're, there's not, again, their money is the money that was invested. I have zero ill will. I, I'm, we're getting our, collecting whatever percent of royalty it is. So I'm just, I, I'm doing this for you, for you to grow. So I can only advise you. I can, again, if my advice is not coming through as in like, you need to step down because you're not a marketing guru. We, we are, go you know, that is not getting through. I tend to use some of my counterparts that are more 
you know, they have more maturity in the company and it has worked to a certain degree, you know, maybe not to have the person step down from the position, but maybe some marketing choices instead of turning a campaign off or putting it just for women. Hey, let's keep it broader because our members are men and women. The fact that you're seeing more women buying doesn't mean you're going to shut off the future campaigns and put it just for women. It was just a trend that was, you know, so advising and utilizing all of my resources to put my point across is how I tend to tread waters, but it's very tricky. Some of them are like, okay, I'm sorry. Yes, I see it. I see this group. I should have, we should have spent more or we should have not hired this person or I'm not interviewing marketing anymore because I don't have the qualifications. I let you interview too. So there are some places where you hire their marketing person. They, I, I have been on the call where, yes, the offer has been put for the marketing person. We cannot hire for the owners. We cannot hire. We cannot train for the owners. The success and the development of the studio falls 100% on the owner, the franchisee. Corporate comes in to support. So we advise them. I show him. This has not been done. We have asked for 10 items. It's been two weeks. Maybe your marketing person has lost focus. Next week, we have asked for this. So showing the trend is when they then, hey, so what do I do? Maybe a replacement is the best idea. Look at some resumes, you know, talk to your legal team to see what it will be the severance pay. So those are tough conversations that some are very receptive, but some are the owners themselves. So you can be like, yeah, you need to fire yourself because you didn't produce. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Is that an awkward conversation for you at all? What? It is. Like I said, you don't really have those conversations. You've got to thread water lightly. And how do I tell this person they're not really qualified to be making those this, or even being in the position? So you got to take your, your, your loss. Maybe I leave the person in the position because it fulfills something, but maybe I they allow me to make the smaller decisions. They let's spend two thousand dollars instead of five hundred. Let's keep men and women as the as the uh, what we pick instead of just putting for women. Let's put from twenty to sixty five instead of putting from fifteen to thirty five. Like. A 15-year-old might not be able to afford our membership. Oh, oh yeah. You know, so, you know, so decisions that then I bring my counterpart and I said, okay, show them trends in your countries. And then, so I've won some little small battles. There's some big ones that you're going to have to count your loss. Okay. So now with, um, like with franchises, an average person think of fast food franchises, something like that. So... How, do, how does one gain a franchise within Orange Theory? So to get an Orange Theory franchise, you just honestly have to find an area where you would like to. Um, just in the U.S., um, basically every, every state, every sort of little area where you can put a franchise, and we have about 1,100 in the U.S., so we're pretty much everywhere. So if you were to get a franchise, most likely in the U.S., you will have to obtain one or buy one from someone that's reselling it, someone that wants to get out of the business, an asset sell. So the growth right now 
for Orange Theory is international. Obviously, there is tons of LATAM um, countries that are still for grabs. You know, we have countries that we are, don't have any Orange Theory in. There's tons of obviously other areas, like for example, in Spain, we're growing and expanding. There's no, the seven that we have there have multiple franchisees together. Yeah, seven in Spain. Yeah, there's Spain, Europe, there's London. We have in China, we have in Japan, we have in India, we have in Qatar. Oh, y'all are, we are, really are everywhere. So if you are interested, I think the best step is to just reach out to, to one of us in Orange Theory. You know, we have the corporate office in Boca Raton. So the minute you Google Orange Theory Fitness corporate office, it will give you our location and you could even see, you know, our go-to guy's parish. He's the best. And he'll basically guide you on what markets are available. You know, what are the requirements to get in the markets? Uh, but I'm going to tell you, LATAM, those Central America, South America, that's where the profitability is. Because I get to see what it costs to run the studio, what, it, you know, with, with rent, with everything, and what the studio is leaving after you pay for everything. Still in moments like this, LATAM is showing profitability. So it's, it's very, very refreshing to see. And we're, we're not even in numbers that we had pre-COVID. So again, very refreshing to see. So. I'm glad you brought up COVID because that was going to be my next question. Well, that and with inflation going on, how do you all manage? Um, it was tough. It was very, very tough um, because, again, just like there were, there, there's some that have deep pockets where they can dig when a studio is closed for 12 months, 15 months, and there's a landlord charging your rent. So oh, there's course. some... There's some that could dig in their pockets, but there was others that truly what it came down to was making very tough decisions, making decisions of do I give this business my all or the other businesses that I have? You know, Latam, it's again, fairly new. I think this my first studio was in Colombia about four or five years ago. So fairly new that the most studios are maybe two, three, four units. Dominican Republic has five units and most of the owners have bigger portfolios in something else. So do you give this small two, three units attention and really threading those waters and saying, believe, you know, when we open, you know, we're going to get back up. Also threading those waters and not having studios shut down was I think the biggest challenge that I faced was, how does someone trust you when there's no money coming in? <laughs> it was it was tough. It was tough, and I had just got hired too, so it was it was very tough. So now, where was it more of a challenge as far as managing the Orange Theories during COVID in America or Latin American countries? Latin American was more um, challenging. Latin America, and this is the reason why we don't have. The mandates are all over the place. The president can speak tonight the same way that he cannot speak tonight and speak on Friday because he took a break. They, you know, they just choose inter Costa Rica, intermittent opening and closing. Let me close for six days, open for nine. What? It just all over the place. When in the United States, 
if there was shutdowns, it was either by state or there was a wave over there. It was like, wait, and you had to draft on a particular member communication. And it was, you know, it was, it was very challenging. So many countries, so many different mandates. This one has 30% capacity. No, but this one now wants 60% capacity in their gyms. I didn't even think about that. Cause you're already dealing with all the mandates in all these states here. And you also got to deal with the different mandates or fluctuation of mandates and other, like, yeah. are you having to like put all these mandates on a chalkboard or something just to kind of keep up? Well, no, that's why you have EBMs. The, e the enterprise business managers keep track of making sure that every country is following per mandate and that obviously the brand doesn't get in trouble. So you as an EBM need to make sure, okay, so the mandate, literally, I will get WhatsApp like at nine at night. Hey, the president spoke. We're not opening tomorrow. So drafting a communication that says, hey, tomorrow classes have been canceled. Unfortunately, due to the mandate that went out at this at that time, we will not be opening for the next 48 hours, whatever. Like if there was an outbreak, they will shut us down in seconds. Not an outbreak in the studio, an outbreak in the country that will shut down businesses. Some of the businesses, some of the countries were going by license plate. The license plate number was the plate that you could be on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then the other days was the other license plate. Like if they caught you outside, you will get a fine. So oh. it, it was it was tricky. It was tricky. So it was very now, challenging. Um, the one is the one in the orange. Because I know China's kind of all over the place with it. Is y'all is it shut down in China currently? So we are. Uh, most of them are due to the mandate. Um, so we we reclose those studios. So but they were actually open um, not long ago. So with um, inflation, gas is being high. I don't even want to know how much you spend on gas for your vehicle. Usually, that gets to that. You already answered it. So, <laughs> like usually, the uh, you get to a point where you have to kind of start cutting back on things like were you starting to see that with orange theory so not necessarily cutting back on the gym i think what we saw now is a chunk of people that no longer are making the same money so it's not even cutting back they're literally I'm, I'm done so they've gone to i mean you can say cutting back to maybe like um um like an open gym where the membership again is not such premium because you don't have that coach. You don't have that one-on-one -on -one attention. So they go more like to like a Planet Fitness, to like an LA Fitness. And that's sort of the, the routine for fitness. I don't think necessarily people are like, oh, let me just cut back. It's just they have a completely different job. Completely, you know, a chunk of our, of our members, which again, had, were affluent or had pretty well-paying jobs. I think a lot of that got shifted. Okay. So now we're going to shift away from Orange Theory and we're going to go to, you also do real estate. I also do real estate, yes. What, what caused the interest in real estate? So getting to know all of these individuals that I, that I now um, basically commingle with, whether it's owners in Latin America, again, owners here, and truly getting myself into the circle of um, businesses I got to know quite a lot of people in the real estate business and then also building the relationships of giving business advice. A lot of the advice was, 
hey, can you help me? You know, I'm choosing a house. Can anybody, when it comes to mortgage, can you send? Again, a lot of those questions started when I was in Bank of America. Hey, we're going to get a pre-approval, but we don't know where to start. And working at Bank of America, again, it wasn't just open me the business and go. I was all about building relationships. So I truly, okay, so you just build a business here and decided to put it on hold so that we can buy a house. And I stayed with the same customer until the house sort of came true. So again, I was sort of a liaison to help these people from building their credit to applying for their first credit card, to opening their first business, to eventually buying their house and staying with those relationships always through the years. We're like, hey, Kendra, you're still at the bank. I need some help. I want to buy a house. My son wants to buy a house. That's sort of when the light bulb came up where it just doesn't have to be about businesses and just one thing. And I truly love helping people. And this, apart from a business, is quite honestly the biggest purchase a human can make. I just thought about my two boys. They have to buy a house. No, they don't have to. I know they're going to invest in real estate. Who better than their mama? <laughs> Again, like, I, maybe I'm, I might not have a license in the state that they want to purchase, but at least I'll have a foot on the door to get them someone that ha- for me to know the lingo that, I, you know, saving, you know, purchase points, things that I didn't know to save on the interest because I'm staying with my property for 20, 30 years. I want to rent it out eventually when I grow out of it. So little things like that. And through building relationships was when I'm like, wait, I, I this is an easy, super easy transition. My mom is a realtor up in Fort Myers. Um, my step, uh, my my stepbrother is a realtor. So it was sort of with the personality that I have, it was like, come on, it was it was bound to happen. <clears throat> bound to so, happen. So like how long have you been doing it? Three months now. Rather Three so months. um, because I know here in Tennessee the housing market is uh Although is 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 pretty large at this point. So, what is the housing market in Florida? So, we have realtors every corner, but so there's tons of opportunity when it comes to you know realty. But when it comes to that housing market and actually finding the a listing or finding buyers, it is a challenge. You have to again either get with a strong broker, get with a strong mentor. That will guide you into hey this is how this is one of my listings this is how you do you know a, a, an open house and sort of in a market like this coming in so new like my like me it gets hard i think my first my first uh, transaction was probably like a commercial rent where it was it's like nothing it was like two thousand dollars the first the one-time payment so again but getting your feet again with my with my tiny little three months getting my feet wet shadowing those those big guys you know I, I joined with Coldwell Banker Realty in Hollywood but shadowing those big guys I think is sort of what gives me that comfort that re- the t- the minute that listing comes into my hands so that that is my listing that my first you know seller that wants to put the trust in me so that I can sell their property it's it's going to be just perfect it's going to be like you know the key in the keyhole because you get to learn, you get to sort of really see, not mistakes, but what to do, what not to do, what you could do better if it was your listing. So, again, I'm, I'm still learning. So, super, super excited. So, uh, have you kind of taken, like, what you've done for Orange Theory and kind of brought it into real estate? 100%. Relationship building. How do you talk to people? You know, one of the first things that I did the minute I got my card and everything was, 
reach out to every single individual that I had worked with and I send them my business card. I said, you remember me, Pizza Love and Kendra. <laughs> hey, 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 you know, I'm a realtor now. If there's anything you need, you know that I love to help, whether they are ready to buy or not. I just want to be able to allow someone to truly, truly make a decision on their own, whether it's with a or not, but find the best person if you need to help with your credit. Really just you make the decision and eventually who's going to say no to me? Come on. So I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so how do you navigate like timing wise? We, we only have 24 hours in a day and when you're helping someone find a house, there's so like it's so much time that kind of takes from that so how do you kind of navigate navigate your time for both both careers so that's what i'm actually learning right now um but it actually it's not as hard as you think i don't have any buyers yet that are interested in buying a property so what i'm doing right now is truly getting the need and greedy of the market what are the trends like what do i see what are the neighborhoods that are selling the most where are the open houses? And then as far as buyer, I honestly think it's all about how you, again, manage your time. My full attention goes to Orange Theory. I will say anywhere from super early in the morning. I'm up by four because I have to train every morning. And then till about like five gets my full attention. And then just after that, you truly is when a person gets off of work that they truly be able to see anything that you have found in the MLS. You also set up triggers. So the minute you do that initial search for the person and you sort of find an area, you put those parameters that you're looking for and you set triggers that anything that sort of comes up new, the person and you get a trigger. So again, the person will see it even at the same time that you get to see anything that might come up. But Kevin, it's all about relationships because some things don't even make it to the MLS. So I will need not necessarily time to be in the computer, but maybe a phone call from another realtor saying, hey, I have a property, I have a seller that wants to sell it, do you have a buyer? So sometimes some of these things might happen. So even with other realtors even kind of, because I would think it would be more competitive. Well, if you think about it, Putting a property in the market right now, you understand, you can definitely get good 2,000 offers and really get what your is Huh? How many offers did you say? I'm exaggerating, but we had a, uh. <laughs> had a 200 offers, 200. There's some that have, yeah, well above that. I'm, again, I'm a newbie, so I'm sure there's some houses with well above 200 offers. <laughs> Anyways, but what I'm trying to say is, in this stage, it's all about knowing the other realtor that A, allows you to be in their listing because if you go to an open house for a different realtor, you might be able, or you even try to host it for them, you know, help them serve and everything, you might be able to find the buyer. And if the buyer does, that comes in looking at the open house that just walked in, doesn't have a realtor, then you sort of step into that role if that buyer allows you. So this opportunity working with other realtors also, if you... If you know each other, and I know as a realtor that another realtor has a book of clients of millionaires, of wealthy people, and I know I'm going to get my money's worth and I want to sell, that connection might happen off of the Main Street MLS because I know it's a sale that 
it's right there. The average person usually has one one main career in business. You have three, at least at least so far. <sighs> you also have Ubermates, which I've never heard of. So what what is Ubermates? Ubermates is the number one residential and commercial cleaning in Miami. We actually started Ubermate ages ago. It was in 1998. My mom was cleaning houses for the longest, and she uh, they actually had a different name all the way up until 2000 and about 12. But basically, she was cleaning houses, and then when we came from the Dominican Republic, I used to see her leaving at night with my step, and I'm like, where are you guys going? She was like, now we just obtained for commercial. And she started cleaning a couple of the restaurants. One of them belonged to Gloria Stefan. It was Delarios. So throughout the years, my mom obviously stayed with a pretty large clientele, and then she had about two ladies that would work for her. Whenever she couldn't take the jobs, she would actually just send the ladies to do the jobs. And then about when the pandemic hit, and I'm like, mom, you're taking in actually more work. People being at home, she actually took in more work than she was having before. And it was just a way of helping her. We sort of redesigned the brand again. I renamed it, obviously, you know, they were a bit older. I came in and basically it was, I would say in 2020 was when I renamed it Ubermaids. I basically gave them small sort of rebranding of their website so it is a mom and pops run business where we now we went from three individuals you know including my mom and now we have 17 cleaning techs so 17 cleaning techs in miami we also serve four myers which is where my mom lives and over there we have about 25 cleaning techs so again we we're getting a little bit big and I'm actually super excited because she's now not taking any more of the jobs. You know, it was about it was about four months she's ago. She's an executive now. Now she is. So it's very strange. Like whenever I come see her, she's like, oh, Mija, you know, I'm doing this and they got to send the paycheck. But I'm like, it feels so, so good to actually be able to be, I guess, like the crazy glue. Because to be honest, I haven't, I haven't done anything. This belongs to, to my mom. I'm sort of like the... You know, like pinky on the brain or something like that. I'm I'm just in behind and tying the glue together. You're a good luck charm. You put your mother in a position to make herself a boss. Yes, you know, and then when the when I we started advertising it here that we were looking for cleaning techs, she came down, she did the interview, she actually like trained. She's like, I gotta train it because I gotta learn how to clean. And I'm like, Mom, I'm pretty sure the women know how to clean. No, she really takes this quite seriously, you know. We do the interviews that we do. We actually have them come and clean, whether it's one of my brother's uh, houses, whether it's the, the, the bathroom or, you know, a kitchen or an oven. And we actually pay for it just to see if the individuals, like, how does the individual walk inside the house? What do they say? Do they even say hello? How is their smile? I don't know. To me, it's, it has been golden doing it that way, which it was an idea from my mom which is you, yeah, you do like a phone interview, but then after that, you actually get the person in for a paid 30 minute cleaning. And it is the choice which is either the oven or the bathroom or the kitchen. And you truly get to interact. The person doesn't know that she's coming for an interview. You're just telling her, we need to, you to clean and we're gonna go ahead and pay you the half an hour. I just noticed that the person you, you mentioned your brother is someone they practice on. 
I guess we, we men aren't the neatest. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> so yeah, very, very excited. So how is, expanding. Uh, so how, where would you look to expand to? We have a couple of other areas that I would love to, to go to, which is more up to Western um, Cape Coral, which is closer to my mom. We'll love to go into Tampa and Orlando. There is tons of, you know, opportunity there, big houses. And that's where we sort of specialize, those big, big houses, really getting two, sometimes three of our best cleaning techs there. And, you know, three hours twice a month is usually sort of the key to keep air dogs when it comes to dust, when it comes to pet dandruff, when it comes to just dusting the lights. Like, oh, my God, we let out so much dead skin that even twice a month is just like so it's just again it's just recommended for health issues so we hope to truly stand so how is it working with your mother well we don't live that close and like I said, <laughs> more of a the marketing piece that's sort of like okay so let's rebrand she's more of let me hire the girls send me the resume so and we have very strong personalities too so as long as she told me what lines not to cross and that was you know her people she wanted to train her people because she knew that her name back from 1998 was what was on the line not mine not a pretty a pretty how she call it you know we're the uber people and i'm like no we're yeah. so um again we very straightforward conversations with my mom and he has worked wonders so yeah i'm pretty much just space that yeah I pretty much just navigate like this is what I'll do yeah this is what you'll do I'm not gonna cross what you do don't cross yeah. what I do and we're perfectly fine yeah like again we we had a complaint about probably one of our one of our girls arrived late she wanted to make sure that she wouldn't she wanted to speak to the girl herself again she felt that her Spanish was better than my Spanish and she was gonna be more stern so just little things like that um, and she, I, for me, I would have given the girl another chance. She's uh, not another chance. She's a bit more lenient. She obviously now has the girl at up with her doing a little bit more clerical work and things like that. Just, I don't know. She's just friendly. I, that. From knowing you, I, I'm pretty sure your mother's definitely the more lenient one. Yes, indeed she is. So now if I'm just going to, so if you, if you had it done, if you had, you and your mother done this endeavor, let's say 10 years ago. The version of you who you were 10 years ago, do you think you, it would have been a success? I don't think it would have been a success. I think through the years is what I had learned. Again, sometimes you have to, you're going to win some battles. Sometimes you're not going to win some battles. And I think wearing so many multiple hats and being in so many different positions from banking, from gym, from, from fitness. You know, I, I, like I told you, I own my own trucking company at some point. I had a clothing store going from so many multiple hats. It's like where you sort of, okay, this is what I shouldn't do again. This is what I should do better. And truly pushing yourself to see something successful because now you have people relying on you. So definitely would not have worked. I think the knowledge that I've gained in these 10 years have been crucial to stick to the plan and to make something successful. So like, it seems like you've always either owned a company or you ran a business. So have you ever been an employee, an employee? 
I think I worked, my first job was with Subway. Subway, I worked for Subway making I sandwiches. Was not that. Making sandwiches, but then I made my own bread and my own cheese <laughs> and my own cookies. The cookies, the cho- the, not the chocolate chip, but the oatmeal cookies, I will make them into triple because they will defrost and I will do triple of them. So, you know, I, I run my own store. I did what I had to do. You, you always got to do things your own way. Who's going to say, who, somebody over here is telling me not to? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's worked out for you so far. Uh, no, I I do have a very, uh, you just, it, it takes the right person to find that sort of side. So now it seems like, like everyone, you, you kind of bring an entrepreneur spirit with, Pretty much any everyone you're kind of an actor with with your mother, um, even your children. Like yes. they have like so what bit what did businesses they have? They have Max and Mark Candies. They have a little bending machine business. They have about four bending machines that they have all throughout, you know, at least a little area here where we live. We live around the uh, Pinecrest Miramar area. So they have about four bending machines. They have one in the school, two other ones are in a park, and the other one is at a hospital. Um, and one of them is bubble gum, and the other three are more like soda, uh, chips, sort of slim gyms, little things like that. So those two little rambunctions was have a little business, yes. So now was this natural for them, or did it you kind of was it in, not natural for them? It would now. I don't think it's natural from any person that I interact with. I will tell you that. Like from my mom, definitely not natural. For the boys, is not natural. I think my best friend too, which we actually um, getting, you know, she has a um, cosmetics line that it was more like a hobby that I'm like, what are we waiting for? We need to get packages. <laughs> we need to get the labels. Like, what are you doing? So, no, it's not natural. I think it is a, I would guess it's, it's a trait of mine. What I am good at, which is truly allowing a person, okay, this is what you like. Let's find the resources. Let's put the resources together. Let's put tenacity with her. And I'm here to support you all along the way. I think that that's what I have that sort of sees through quite a, some successful businesses. With that motivational boost. Yes. Motivational boost, moral boost. I wouldn't say financial boost, but at least some knowledge that might make you financially savvier or wiser. You know, when I tend to relate my my experiences, it's so, so I make it I try to make it relatable. So, ended off with five years from like five years from now. What else do you plan on owning? Well, I would love to be the number one number one Latina realtor. I like the sound of that. That'd I, be great that. On a so business card. I have a book of, uh, of clients that I want to work with. So I would love to be the number one Latina realtor, at least all, all in Miami. Um, I'm sure there's an award for that. But truly, I think when it comes to realtor, which is like I will, the career that I will foresee myself, not a career, it's just building relationship and sales just happen to happen. Um, I truly do see myself, you know, becoming more versed when it comes to properties. I would love to go into the commercial aspect, but ultimately what I do want to do is be just a boss, just own <laughs> 50, 100 apartment buildings. You understand, delve into investing, truly get 
fundraisers going that that you know take care of women kids you know just truly helping you know I, I think I've prayed so much for God and I said you know just let me win the lottery you know I'm gonna it's gonna be I'm gonna be the Latina Oprah baby like tu coge aquí y tu pa allí y tu pa allí oh my God like you know why you don't give me the lottery because I would just go wild so I just I've asked you know my prayer is to be a fairy godmother I think if I could ask to be anything, I just want to be a fairy godmother to be, you know, when it comes to a good advisor, when it comes to business, friendship, relationship, and, and ultimately truly helping people financially. Because honestly, if apples were to move the world, then I want to be a good apple tree planter. But I want to be a good, you know, a, a good omen when it comes to finances. And if that is, you know, coming out of pocket because I see someone someone homeless that, hey, let's get you in a in an apartment. Let's let's get you somewhere because you just truly need someone to trust in you to let's invest in our next 50-unit apartment building. That's what I want to be able to do. Now, were, were you, like, from a child? Probably should have asked this at the beginning. I mean to go back this far. It's just I'm not thinking it. Were you always kind of, um, I guess, boss-minded, like, even as a child? Very. Very, very, it needed to be my way. It was my way or the highway. I, when, If I did not get what I want, I vividly remember saying, I will cross the street so that a car hit me and I get splattered on the floor if I do not get that. I was like five, five. This is the joke in the Dominican Republic. It's a, it's a running joke between the neighbors that I used to live around. Oh, there goes the blonde, because I was blonde. I was the, the bad class blonde. They call me like mala clase because my hair was a bit wavy. And they call me, you know, the, the bad blonde. And again, it was, I, I, I'm going to cross the street. If you don't give me that ice cream, oh, I'm going to cross and that car is going to hit me. A five. I bet your mother's got some great stuff. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my, my God. So before we end things, I wanted to talk about a few things that I learned from my conversation with Kendra. One, knowing what personal attributes you have within yourself that you can market to different industries. If you notice, Kendra worked in retail, fitness, trucking, and banking, four completely different industries, and yet she's excelled in each of them. Second, learning when to let go. Some leaders have to have their hands on every aspect of a business. And for employees, that could be, well, irritating. So an effective leader has to know when to let go of certain controls and when it is time to take control. And third, old school word of mouth always works. In an age where we have social media, TV ads, billboards, internet, etc., there are so many ways to promote a company, a product, or even yourself, but having a good old friend saying, hey, try this out, contact this person, is better than any other form of promotion. I thank Kendra for being a guest and hope to have her back on in the future. And I also thank you for listening.